Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. I'm saying that we need to argue from Scripture. Now, you can argue with people about morals and ethics. You can argue philosophically about morals and ethics. You can argue about political positions, and you can contend with people. But God's Word is that living and powerful Word that will make the difference. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Acts. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Acts, chapter 17, verses 1 through 15, in a message titled, Reasoning from the Scriptures. Now, here's Pastor Brian. Let me just catch us up with the context here. You know, we left Paul there, remember, they were in prison, there was the earthquake, jailer, uh, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you and your house shall be saved. And so the jailer and his family were saved, they took Paul and Silas and they, they attended to them. And then the part that we didn't get to is the following day, the magistrates sent a message saying, uh, release these guys, let, let them go. And Paul's response was, no, 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 we are Romans, we were beaten, and that's against the law, so the magistrates are going to have to come and get us out themselves. And so the magistrates became fearful because they could easily uh, lose their position over a blunder like that. But Paul sort of forced that using his Roman citizenship as a means of pushing back against that persecution that they experienced. And so then they left Philippi and headed toward Thessalonica, where we pick up today. And again, what we see here is the same sort of thing happening. They go into Thessalonica, they go into the synagogue, they preach the gospel, people respond to it, Jews respond prominent Greeks respond, prominent women there in the congregation respond, but some of the Jews who are resistant to the message, they gather a mob together and they assault them. And so this is kind of the pattern that is developing as they're on this this missionary journey here in what would have been Greece at the time. But Again, I want to, there's many things that we could talk about here, but I want to focus on just this whole idea of reasoning and specifically reasoning from the scriptures. Now, we live in what is rapidly becoming the age of unreason. It's unbelievable how unreasonable and irrational people are becoming in our time. But, but this kind of a thing was actually foreseen by others in previous generations. Uh, let me give you an example. G.K. Chesterton, he wrote this back, he died in 1936. He was English. But he said something back in the early part of the 20th century that is so fascinating. He said this, he spoke of a world in which a man may be howled down for saying that two and two make four, in which people will persecute the heresy of calling a triangle a three-sided figure and hang a man 
for maddening a mob with news that grass is green. So, so he, he could see, he could foresee something that I, I think many others did not see. But this is the kind of world that we are living in. It is a world that is becoming more and more irrational and unreasonable. But here's the deal. We are called in this environment to get the gospel to people still. As the world goes more and more crazy, we're, we're still called to get the gospel to people. So what are we to do? Well, we are to do what Paul did, and that's what I want to focus on. It says that Paul reasoned with them, and he reasoned with them from the scripture. So what I want to focus on today really is the importance of knowing our Bibles, the importance of knowing our Bibles. Everywhere the apostles and the early Christian evangelists went, they proclaimed the word. That was their message. It was, it was, the, it was the gospel, but it was, of course, it was a biblical message, the scriptures. When it says that Paul reasoned with them from the scriptures, talking about the, the biblical text. At the time, of course, that would have been predominantly the Old Testament. Um, but just in a general sense, this is what we as Christians are called to do. We are called to bring God's word to people. So I want to look at how we do that, how we can prepare ourselves better for that. But we must remember that acts of mercy, kindness, compassion, help, healing, uh, these are all part of what we do as God's people. And we don't want to neglect that. We don't want to forget that. We want to always be conscious of the need to be engaged in those kinds of things. But we also have to realize that if a person's going to be saved, they're going to have to hear the gospel. Because the scripture tells us faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So although mercy and kindness and compassion and love and all of those things, they, in a sense, you know, maybe they pave the way or they soften a person's heart or mind to receive the gospel. Those things by themselves are, are never going to bring anybody to salvation. There has to be the proclamation of God's word. And so if, if we're going to be people in our generation who fulfill the, this commission to get God's word to people, then we are going to have to make sure that it is stored up in our own hearts and ready to be dispensed when the opportunities arise. So we've got to know God's word. Now, Let's look at a few things here. First of all, this word reasoned. Paul reasoned with them. And the idea here behind the word is that he presented his case, he argued his case, and he even debated his case from the scripture. So when we're talking about getting God's word to people, that's what we do. We, we present God's word. And we argue for the truth of God's word. We even will need at times to contend for the truth of God's word. So we, we're going to need to debate uh, 
And this has always been the case. You know, th there's a bit of a mentality today that has arisen among some Christians. You know, you, you kind of always have, as we talk about, you know, you, you kind of always have the two extremes. You have, you have the one side where, you know, people are just, you know, preaching down to other people and they're obnoxious and they're rude and they're insensitive and that just kind of turns everybody off. But then you get the, the pendulum sort of swings all the way to the other side where everybody's so passive and well, we don't want to say anything, we don't want to offend anybody. And so, you know, both of those positions are the wrong position. We have to speak. We have to proclaim God's word if anybody's going to get saved. But of course, we need to do it wisely. We need to do it lovingly and thoughtfully and, and all of those things. So when the apostles, and Paul here in particular, when he presented God's word, that's how he did it. It was a reasonable presentation. Now, so he reasoned, but he reasoned with them, it says, from the scriptures. And this is where I really want to focus. Reasoning from the scriptures. Why reason from the scriptures? Well, I don't know if you know this or not, but do you know that most people do not have the slightest idea what the Bible really teaches? Most people do not. There, there's all kinds of surveys. I looked at a bunch of statistics yesterday, and I've read stuff over the years that, that even talk about the illiteracy among Christians when it comes to the scriptures. So if there's an illiteracy among Christians regarding the scriptures, you know, when you look outside, you find that it is, you know, multiplied many times over that illiteracy. So the thing is, people don't know what the Bible says, but they have all these assumptions about what it says. They hear little bits and pieces from people, quite often the critics of scripture, they hear little bits and pieces that it says this and it said that and it promotes this and you know, supports that and all of that. So, so people don't know. You know, one of the big current things that are being um, dispensed out there in the culture and it's connected to, you know, some of the racial tension and all that is that the Bible supported slavery. And so, you know, the slavery in the United States was all basically uh, justified through scripture. So a lot of people believe that. Well, why would I listen to the Bible? The Bible supports slavery. Well, the Bible doesn't support slavery like they're purporting it to be. But we are the ones that are responsible to, you know, to argue against that kind of a thing. You know, one of, one of the common things when it comes to same-sex issues, you know, if people refer back to the Old Testament, say back to Leviticus, where it, it condemns same-sex relationships, it also condemns eating lobster. And so a big thing today for people is to say, well, you know, there's no difference between same-sex relationships and eating lobster. It's all the same thing. Uh, because there's a prohibition in Leviticus on um, eat, the eating of shellfish. So if we say that, the, well, those things don't apply anymore, the Old Testament is no longer uh, you know, applicable in that regard, then people say, oh, well, then same is true of the laws regarding same-sex relations. Just like we throw out 
the no shrimp rule, we throw that out as well. That's not a problem. We are the ones who are called to give a response to that. So we are called to reason with people, reason from the scripture. Number one reason we do that is because people don't know what the Bible says. And quite honestly, when people find out what the Bible actually does say, their response quite often will be favorable in a sense. I, I remember years ago, I was, I was talking to a guy who was working on my car and he had all of these ideas about you know, what the Bible said or didn't say. And he had all of these questions about why people suffered and why there was sickness and disease and death and war and you know, all, all of those kinds of things. And in the course of our conversation, I said, well, you know, let me, let me give you the biblical reasons behind this stuff. And, and I basically just walked him through the story of the fall in Genesis chapter three. Just, you know, God created everything. Everything was good. God gives man one restriction. Don't eat of the tree in the midst of the garden. And, you know, just walked him through the temptation of Adam and Eve and the fall and all of that. And at the end of my presentation, you know what he said to me? He said, that's the best explanation I've ever heard. I thought, well, good. That's great. And a lot of times that's the case. Uh, again, people don't know what the Bible says. I remember watching a debate with the late Christopher Hitchens. He was debating. I can't remember who it was, but he was, you know, and, and this guy's supposed to be, you know, he's an atheist. He's the guy who wrote God is not great. He makes millions of dollars going around blaspheming essentially is what he did. But, you know, he's supposedly an expert on religion as well. And that's why he's a critic of it. And I remember he's trying to debunk the teaching of Jesus because he, he was arguing that the teaching of Jesus was ridiculous. It was so impractical. And he used a passage from Matthew chapter six, where Jesus says in the King James version, which by the way, is the, is the version that Hitchens would read from in the King James version, it says this, take no thought for your life. And Christopher Hitchens said, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. This is absurd. Jesus couldn't possibly be the son of God or a prophet or even a wise man because he says, take no thought for your life. He says, uh, you know, don't plan for the future. Don't save, don't put away money for, you know, a rainy day. Uh, don't, don't do anything. Just go through life without thinking. That's what he said Jesus was saying. If he would have just picked up a different translation, he would have found out that that's not what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying, take no anxious thought for your life. Jesus was saying, don't worry about your life because worry's not good for you and you have a heavenly father who is committed to taking care of you. But, you know, so this is the kind of argument that is being put forth to refute listening to Jesus because Jesus gives bad advice. He says, don't think about your future. So you see, here's a guy who really didn't know what Jesus said, but he thought he did. And this is true of many people all around us. So 
that's the, the first reason why we must reason with people from the scripture because they don't know what the scripture says. Secondly, the scriptures are alive and powerful and pierce the heart. Hebrews 4.12 says this, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and it critiques the thoughts and the intents of the heart. See, I'm saying that we need to argue from scripture. Now, you can, you can argue from different platforms. Uh, you can argue with people about morals and ethics. You can argue philosophically about morals and, and ethics. You can argue about you know, political positions, and you, you can argue about those kinds of things. You can, you can contend with people, but God's word is that living and powerful word that will make the difference. You see, if we argue based upon a philosophy or if we argue just simply based upon our ethical or moral convictions, then we're going to have a, a, a more difficult time uh, with a breakthrough. But whenever we bring God's word to bear on the situation, we have the assurance that this is that living word that is powerful, that it's sharper than a two-edged sword, that it pierces between the soul and the spirit. You see, sometimes it can just be a simple sentence of scripture that could bring down somebody's entire fortress that they've erected against God. That's how powerful God's word is. And that's why we must always reason from the scriptures. We need to always have the scriptures as our primary message that, that we are communicating to people. And not just the scriptures in general, although there are times when it can just be something, you know, sometimes I've, I've heard many stories about just sometimes a what seems to be like a random word of God that just pierces and, and goes right through. But notice it says that Paul reasoned with them from the scriptures, but what did he emphasize? Look what it says. It says in verse three, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. So when we're talking about reasoning with people from the scripture, this is where we always want to take them. We always want to take them to Jesus. The great Victorian preacher, Charles Spurgeon, he said, you know, whatever your text, you know, wherever you start in the scripture, just make a beeline for Christ and the cross. Just, just where, where, wherever you start, make, make sure you end up with Jesus. And that is exactly what Paul did. So when it says that he reasoned from the scriptures, specifically he was reasoning from the scriptures about Christ. And, and that is our message to the world. That's 
we have got to get the message of Jesus. We've got to get, again, when we talk about getting the gospel to people, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about presenting Christ to people. And once again, I would say in a world that's gone mad and people will argue to the death in support of their position and people are irrational and, and blind, you know, just, you know, we're, this, this is what I was starting with. We're, we're at a point where, where the, the thing that, you know, seems rational, the thing that seems reasonable, like two plus two equaling four today, we live in a culture today that says, no, no, it's not four. We don't care what, we don't care what it adds up to. That doesn't matter. So how do you deal with that? Well, this is where, again, God's word, but specifically Christ. We have to keep, we have to bring Jesus into the picture. And that's what Paul did. And notice what he spoke to them about. He spoke to them about the Christ having to suffer and to rise again. So what, what would be in Included in that. Now, this is undoubtedly just a summary of what Paul talked about, but when, when it says that he spoke to them about the Christ having to suffer, what is that about? Well, there's two things, at least in that. Number one, it would be Christ had to suffer because we are guilty sinners who are condemned, and Christ was taking the punishment we, we deserve upon himself. That's part of what it means that Christ had to suffer. He suffered in our place. We, we are guilty. And again, you know, as we're sharing the gospel with people, we cannot leave out the part about guilt. There's a big temptation today to kind of stay away from the shame and the guilt stuff. In other words, you know, we don't want to talk to people about their sin, maybe, or, or just sin in, in general. Uh, we don't want to talk to people about guilt, but Jesus died because of sin. He died because we are guilty. And so when Paul tells them about Jesus, this is what he starts with, that he suffered. He suffered in our place. He died the death that we deserve to die. But it also speaks of his love. So the suffering speaks of both things. It speaks of my guilt and the need for a substitute, but it speaks of Christ's love in that he loved me so much that he willingly gave himself for me. And so this is the message that we share as we share Christ, that yes, we're guilty. We're all sinners, but God loves us and he proved his love. He demonstrated his love for us in that while we are sinners, Christ died for us. So he preached about the suffering and about the resurrection of Christ. You know, I think it's so important when we're talking to people that we just somehow remind people of their mortality. You know, again, it's like in the delusional world that we live in, somehow people have just so far pushed out of their minds the idea that death awaits them. But it, but it really does. And of course, that is that dark reality that, that people don't want to think about. They, they don't want to face it. They don't want to consider it. 
But it's true. Everyone's going to die. But here's the great news. Jesus conquered death. Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled A Woman's Battle for Grace Why God is More Than You Expected and Everything You Need by Cheryl Broderson. The battle for grace is real. The battle rages on for men and women alike. And the stakes are high. Spiritual well-being, mental health, physical health, emotional health, and social well-being. Grace affects every area of your life. In her book, A Woman's Battle for Grace, Cheryl Broderson shares practical ways that men and women can draw on the available resources of God's grace. The book, A Woman's Battle for Grace by Cheryl Broderson, is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue next time with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Acts. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.